Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi lads, thanks for tuning into the podcast again. Don't forget to like and subscribe and head over to the Patreon to contribute and help us out. Thanks a million and enjoy the podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Tonaries podcast. My name is James and I'm joined by my good friend. Hi everyone, Timmy. Timmy Long. Rowan, as always, is on the deck. Say hi Rowan. Hi Rowan. As you can see me, Timmy, I'm getting closer as the weeks go by. Isn't that right, Tim? (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually 40 now, so... um... I'm actually too old for me. Yeah, <laughs> that and yeah, the vaccine. I'm actually eligible for the vaccine at the moment, so uh, it's a good thing. They'll come to the young people next. Yeah. But uh, yeah. we digress, yeah. Tim. We digress. But James, I'm after being told that I actually look younger than you. There's a lot of spoofs out there. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of spoofs yeah. out there. But look, so, uh, what about the guests? This week we have one of our neighbours. Mm-hmm. It's her. You're the first person to come on this podcast twice. Yeah. You were, on, you were our first room. Your name is Susan Mulch, and you're joined by your handsome husband. <laughs> Mark, handsome how are you keeping? I'm good, lads. Yourselves? Not a bad all. We know a small bit about uh, Susan. Um, do you want to tell us about who you are and where you're from? Yeah, certainly. Um, well, as you said, my own name is Mark. Uh, I'm originally from Kerry, but I'm in Cork. Jesus, how long am I in Cork? Donkeys now at this stage. Mm. Almost earned myself an, an honorary Cork title at this yeah. stage. Almost. And almost is right. Mm. Not quite. Uh, I suppose got to meet Susan, what was it, 12 years ago? Yeah. yeah. When we first started going out around Christmas 12 years ago. And uh, our wedding anniversary, our third wedding anniversary? Fourth. wedding anniversary. <laughs> oh, you're dead <laughs> after, anyway. Yeah. Very bad. Yeah. It uh, was ju- April just gone. Congratulations. Yeah, so. Um, and can you want to tell us a little about how we met? Me, yeah. Yeah. I know, I know, like when, when, when a man and a woman meet. There's two different versions of what happened. <laughs> yeah, 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 Go yeah, with yeah, the male yeah, version yeah. first. Yeah, no problem. As I said there, it was uh, on the lead up to uh, Christmas. The year eludes me a bit now, but it was on a night out. Um, certainly well before COVID. Like, so I was, mm. the city was well in full flight around Christmas. It was a social night out. Actually, I was out with a, a colleague of mine from work, uh, Tom, uh, Tommy Mazur. Uh, hi, Tommy, if you end up watching it. Um, <laughs> hey, Tom. Inside in Long Island. Met her in Long, in Long Island, and uh, it was back in the days when Suze was working in River Island, so managing River Island in town at the time, and uh, big fashionista at the time, like, so she was, uh, if I remember rightly, you were working that day, weren't you? And you were, yeah. Yeah, dolled up to the nines, and she had a red feather boa <laughs> or, 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 on, like, that, that particular night, so you couldn't miss it, to be fair. Uh, she was in there with two of her colleagues, and... Um, we were obviously at the bar, myself and Tommy or whatever, and I was kind of drawn to that. And the antics that were going on in the corner, 
and um, just while we were doing our own thing like but I was obviously looking back maybe a bit more than I had realised on the particular night and caught ourselves eye like and uh, eventually between the jigs and the reels in uh, she came over and and uh, <laughs> Uh, and to uncertain words just call me out for like well like what are you looking at kind of thing and <laughs> what, what are you going to do there now about that or whatever and I paraphrase here now and I'm probably misremembering but it's something along the lines of uh, pull up a stool here or something and we'll see how that goes you know and, uh, and uh, the rest is history believe, believe it or not she, we actually ended up staying together that night as in travelling around and we got a few more nights out during Christmas and stuff after that and it's actually funny, you know, um, thinking back, like, given the context of where we're on today, mm-hmm. it actually almost feels like I'm talking about a different person than myself and I'm mm-hmm. talking about a completely different couple mm-hmm. with myself and Susan when I, when I think back to yeah. the people we were individually and, and, uh, you know, the, the kind of couple that we grew into from that night, mm-hmm. completely different to, you know, it, it, it's like, I won't say it's surreal, like, but it just feels a bit weird talking about it because mm-hmm. I'm, it's almost a feeling of disconnect because we've we've changed so much individually and collectively together like since since then. Yeah, I can imagine. Um do you wanna Oh my contribution was John Vodka Luke's age. <laughs> <laughs> that was um, what I remember saying to him. Boy. But I was caught by his, I was remember I was looking across the bar and he's so tall and I was like Fine bit of a gear. Jesus, all right. Um, no, I was half cut, like, but Thanks. I still was like, I don't know. So I would, like you said, I, I did approach him, saw the out, like, and said, Are you going to keep looking like a what? What's the story? And he was like, um, and, but yeah, it is, it is like a different, in some ways, it's like a different, it's like a different couple. The kind of madness and the fun is still there. There's just, mm-hmm. it's just not the carnage and the alcohol isn't there because we still go out, mm-hmm. like, obviously, I'm not with COVID, but do you know, the years passed since. Mm-hmm recovery and so we still go out yeah. um but yeah it was a bit of a mad yeah. time even mm. thinking back yeah you spoke to us the last time susan about um your issues with alcohol you know and you're in recovery um do you know when you met your husband mark what way was your drinking at that stage it was i thought it was bad but i could i surrounded myself with people that it was less obvious to do you know, mm-hmm. and like as Mark said, I was managing around at the time, so it was kind of I was able to minimise it and kind of justify it because it was the scene. Do you know, mm-hmm. I kind of got away with like, oh yeah, work hard, play hard. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of this um, yeah. crap. Do you know, and um, but the reality was, I needed, I even needed to drink then. But and I mean, I was, I said this to you the last time. I mean, I was very confident. It wasn't about that for me. It was just about I worked so hard genuinely like as in physically worked a lot that like to keep going to keep up with the party life and I had to keep drinking it was kind of like you know I was on this vicious cycle and I remember when I met Mark he was like somebody I'd never met before like as in we met I remember within a date after that and he came into Clancy's bar and he had a suit on and I was totally freaked out <laughs> and I was like what's the Sorry, she wanted the suit. But he was in work, like, and he was like, and I was like, oh my god, he's a man. But I remember thinking, he's a man, uh, like I'm a girl, uh, and uh, which, like, we were the same age. Do you know what I mean? And he was like, hurry, oh, yeah. and I was like, oh my god, I don't know about this, um, because it was just not the kind of yeah. person I was used to being around, um, and I would have minimised my drinking even at that stage, kind of early Antwerp, or I was just kind of played off the fact that oh, I'm from the north side. That's that was kind of a big part of yeah that's what we do what's wrong with you because he would have kind of said it early on even because he thought the party was going to end even after the Mm. first week or two Mm. speaking for you but you know Mm. it didn't did you have did you see red flags early on Mark I didn't let's be honest and I suppose like 
I was just thinking there now while Susie's talking. Um, like the fact that it was Christmas in it to begin with, you know, like straight away, mm-hmm. like, but like the whole country like- is out of their mind, mm-hmm. like for Christmas, and it's perfectly acceptable. And like to be fair, I wouldn't shy away from a couple of points myself at the best of times back then, mm-hmm. not mind around Christmas. Yeah. So it's kind of like. When we met there, like it was actually a bit of a tsunami, if you will, for for that two weeks of Christmas, because like I had an awful lot we planned socially, like and we just kind of really clicked really quick, and Susan just automatically fell in. So like I was going to things that I should have been going to, we'll say in my own under normal circumstances, had I not met her, but she was just tagging along, and we, and we were going together, like and we we were just uh, we were just drinking on, and it was grand and thought nothing of it, and I suppose it wasn't until like well into into the new year and beyond. The kind of first thing that, that that I kind of remember that stuck me was was morning afters, as in she always needed a cure, mm. you know. And and like obviously there's plenty of other people that could do that, but myself personally, I suppose I normally tend to have done the dog in it, and like I was never one for the, the hair of the dog the following day because I just was too sick, mm-hmm. I couldn't face it, like. Um, and it was always it was a must have like and it was always a cider cans of cider like so mm-hmm. like if we were going out if I was going out to get anything initially the following day whatever it was hangover grub or water or anything I always had to get cans of cider is that yeah. do you know and like, like that was the first thing that kind of struck me I mean it wasn't a red flag per se mm-hmm. but like you know it, it kind of turned into a topic of a conversation several times after that thing going I just stir the cans anyway but you just kind of got on with it and we're kind of distracted about more kind of other things, but there wasn't anything kind of seriously happening at at, at that stage. We'll say outside of that, for me to kind of go, "Whoa, what's so what's the, going on the here?" Behavior, the behavior no, was fine. And stuff yeah, like. exactly. She she um, Susan's very good there in that regard. That in the early days, uh, no outside, outside the hangover, like I, I just I yeah. was completely oblivious to be honest. That was your first time really so being around anybody that had any form of addiction, alcoholism or drug addiction. So you're not going to be, you're not going to really know what it is because you probably never seen it previously to that with another family member or anything like that. Yeah, completely directly. Obviously, like I would have known people indirectly or known of people like down the years like that were suffer, sufferers from it and I've seen it from afar but I hadn't experienced it firsthand mm-hmm. in the home or, or directly like that either. Like, no, I no. think there's, there's probably there's very little scenarios where having a drink first thing in the morning is accepted. Mm. Maybe if you're at a wedding and you get up the next morning you're still in the hotel and you congregate mm. around people might have a hero. Yeah. But for people watching if they have kind of concerns if your partner or loved one is waking up in the morning they have to have a can that's a red flag mm. like that's there's no in no version of reality is that normal behaviour would you agree Susan? 100% and I actually it's amazing I, I'm actually kind of even thinking there that was a total must for me from the very start even when I started drinking first going out on a Saturday night I'd only go out if the girls were definitely going to go out on Sunday mm. so I had to have the drink and I remember actually we used to we used to have arguments about the mm. whole can thing because <clears throat> Rightly so, because it's not normal behaviour. Mm. Marcus can say, "Can you not just leave it off? Like I'm dying as well. We just shall we just get a munch or mm. we just chill out?" And I was like, like a lunatic. I was like, "No, I have to get a few cans. Like you have to get me cans. I have to have cans." And um, knowing that it wasn't normal or acceptable, but it was my normal and my acceptable. Mm. So he was the one with the problem then, not mm. me. Do you know? Just all right. Will you just get the cans and leave it off or? We shouldn't be. We shouldn't go at all. That was mm. kind of the attitude, which was all wrong on reflection. But that's mm. where I was, you know. And, yeah. and just on a point there, actually, which, which is 
something else that came to mind there too is like it it had a, a lifespan in that the cans had to be bought within a certain time and I laugh now like but when I think back it kind of had to they had to be picked up within a, couple, uh, a certain time um, zone of her waking up mm. or else the day was gone mm. do you know from, mm. from a sickness point of view she was no good to, yeah. to nothing so I mean like to your point when you were talking about weddings and stuff like there were some days alright like where we might have planned to go out again the following day like with the aim of getting a cure at some stage in the afternoon but or, or whenever but it was us going somewhere as opposed yeah. to kind of drinking at it's home it's a special occasion like yeah or, or whatever like even just a bank holiday weekend or over yeah. um, where, where you went out a Saturday and you and you're the Sunday or equivalent of a mm. Saturday night and a Monday do you know we'd planned to do that like I kind of would have needed a couple of hours to get myself gathered kind of thing but um it was a must and then like there was a few scenarios for where I was just too sick or I just didn't go up myself to get it like we missed that window and to be fair like she was literally no good for the rest of the day then we wouldn't end up going out or or doing anything else so kind of on the back of that then like I kind of stayed quiet initially then once I saw that because I thought you know what for an easy world now and and, and not to spoil things I uh I got the all cancelled the day could the day could endure after that, you know. Mm. But I suppose when when you called out the red flags as well, I mean the last thing that would have ever entered my mind at that stage was to be was to be vigilant for anything around mm. red flags to do with drink like cause, yeah. do you know it's in, just not there's something that wasn't on your radar previously. Zero, like, like I mean mm. e- even as mad now as it was and we had some mad nights out and everything, it just was in a completely different world to me. It yeah. was nowhere near my radar to be to be looking out for anything like that. Yeah. And by that stage, you were obviously very much in love with her and you couldn't have just walked away from the relationship because you had feelings for her. Yeah, as in, it was still kind of early days when mm. I'm talking about that now, like, but I mean, in relation to love, like, I can't pin down when, like, but I obviously did ha- have a lot of feelings for her. And uh, I suppose kind of when I think back in, in with the luxury of hindsight, you know, mm. and after years of introspection and proper analysis of it, mm. I kind of look back and there's part of me that probably subconsciously might have known like that there's something wasn't wasn't quite right and for various different reasons you know I kind of left it sit for a while because like we had plenty of other good things going on and, and it wasn't like we were going out uh six or seven nights of the week like you know it was kind of the weekends or you know one night of the weekend maybe or depending on what was going on during the week so it wasn't constant in that regard in, in them early days yeah. and it certainly wasn't um gone to the stage where I was kind of questioning you know the kind of risk, the risk over the reward kind of thing, or is this, yeah. is this, is this kind of um, hassle worth? You know, like we weren't yeah. at that stage yet, yeah. like yeah. At, at that stage of our relationship. Mm. You know, look after the drinking, Susan. Um, now you've a few years in recovery now, and obviously you do some personal development along the way. And um, can you pinpoint or maybe understand a little bit why the drinking was so chaotic? Um, and maybe how you addressed it in recovery, and what were the things you did to address it. I think genuinely, I think for me, like, I do think it was kind of like a learned behavior. Do you know what I mean? From very, from very early on, that just became then habitual. Like, when Marcus was there, do you know that she got so sick, she wasn't good for nothing. I was, that, I was physically dependent. Like, mm. like, again, that's great. I'm sitting here in a podcast. I'm always physically dependent. I didn't know that at the time. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I, know, I, know. I was just like, oh my God, I'm dying. I need yeah. a can. Like, and if any of this level of awareness, but I was, my body, everything we needed, needed to drink, like. So, like, what, what, what I used to do was, uh, like, 
I was very sneaky, like, do you know what I mean? As in, like, Mark wasn't, yeah, I wasn't, he wasn't aware of that. Like, the nights I wasn't with him, of course I was drinking, do you know? Whereas, like, he'd see the nights I was drinking, but he wouldn't see the other nights. I'd be still drinking. We were living together as well. Mm-hmm. So, there was, there, you know, I had the capacity to hide it, mm-hmm. and I was working full time. Anytime he did meet me, I was like, do you know, all dressed up, all the business, story, you know, looked like I knew what I was at. But, like, secretly, I was tormented. And the, I was terrified to tell, I certainly wasn't going to tell this handsome new fella that I met that I was weak about, but I was waiting, I could be half an alcoholic. And that's what I was even thinking. I was like, maybe I'm, maybe there's something wrong. I don't know. But there was no way I was letting go of it because I didn't have anything else in my life at the time other than work. So, and that was how I felt. You know what I mean? I was like, I only have work. That was, that was like my lifeboat. That's keeping me afloat now. And then he came into my life, so I had that. And I was like, and I need drink to get, keep all these things spinning. Yeah. So, like, stopping didn't come into my head until I lost everything. Mm-hmm. Was, was your family and friends on your case about it? Not majorly, like, because... Because, like, if, you know, you said it on the last podcast and we talked about it, like, you presented really well. You were always dolled up to the nines. You were working in a good job and you could never have known from the outside looking yeah. in that you had all this alcoholism going on in your life. Yeah. So did you mask it from your friends and family as well? Yeah, and light. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Masked it, light, minimised it. Like, just kind of... Fobbed it off a bit, you know, put it down to culture, put it down to, no, it's left no girl. Mm-hmm. God, he's on my case now, be allergic to him. Do you know, like that kind of, that was the, mm-hmm. that was the story I spun myself and I told other people. Was I consciously lying? No, but I was lying. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It was obviously my subconscious trying to protect my addiction at all, like at all costs. And the biggest thing for me, James, would have been that persona. Like mm-hmm. once that slipped, mm-hmm. that's when I was, that's when I really crumbled. Do you know what I mean? As long as you saw me and I was done up to the nines, well, then I'd make shit together mm. in my head. Like, yeah. And it was when all that started to fall apart, years of drinking and other substances came into my life, that then I was like, oh, now I have a, now I have a problem because mm. it's visible. And that was one of the somebody said to me, um, she said, like, you're going to, it's going to affect how you look physically. Mm. My hair was falling out. If then things didn't happen... I genuinely think I would have stayed drinking. I don't think, because I don't think I could have stopped for anyone or anything mm. with, with the best of intentions. Mm. just wasn't able to stop, you know. I can definitely relate to what you're saying there. You know, <clears throat> drink does something for you that um, no person or thing on the planet can, can do for you. And, you know, and it really, it really takes everything, you know. And, and you spoke about towards the end there, all these different things were happening to you. It can be very, very difficult to stop if you've nothing in your life that you're willing to fight for, you know, and yeah. obviously you did in the end and obviously you did fight for it, you know, because yeah. we're sitting here and, and we're talking about it, but I can definitely relate to it, not not wanting to stop because if you stop, you don't know how to cope, mm. you know, um, and I suppose if you don't have people around you that are, are that know what addiction is or alcoholism you're, you're not going to understand it and, and you're going to hit your rock bottom fairly fast you know and sometimes that can be a, a very very difficult situation for for anybody and for family members as well you know because it's, it's very very difficult to watch a loved one 
harm themselves f- physically and mentally. I'd say it can be a quite isolating place for you to be as well if the family doesn't really know, the friends doesn't really know, but inside you know yourself deep inside. Terrified, like terrified. I remember once, I don't know if you probably remember the stuff we spoke about, we have spoken about. Remember once I said it to Mark, um, we were up in Barrett Street and I said, I think I might be an alcoholic. I mean, there were so many things put in front of it. Mm. Do, you know, do you remember that? Um, and, and even saying it, I was like, shit, I shouldn't have said it now. But, but I was just so laden down with the burden that, because I was sick of making excuses. I was sick of having to, do you know, say, are we leave tonight off or, or hiding the wine, swapping the wine out before he come home or trying to make, you know, get into arguments and I'd be trying to defend myself. And then I, obviously I'd, I'd be getting thick, do you know what I mean? I'd be getting saucy then and giving him like an awful time. Yeah. And he was being reasonable what he was saying. But I was just like, oh my God, I'll pay in the whole... But that was because I needed the alcohol completely mm. from a selfish point of view. Like I, mm. I just needed it. And it was something I carried around. I mean, it was the doctor rang me and told me that they they tested my liver and they, they did all blood tests. And the doctor rang and she said, I just want to bring your attention to something. And I was like, oh yeah. She was like, there's severe damage to your liver and it's a serious indication of alcohol abuse. And I was like, oh God, will I tell him no? I was like, oh, will I tell anyone? If I tell anyone, it's wrong, tell me stop. Mm. And I, I can't really hide it anymore. And I did, I did tell, I did tell Mark that, but I tried to minimize it straight away. I gave him the news, and then I went, "Sure, what she's on about? I'm changing doctors. Mind her. <laughs> tell me then, did I have a gammy liver cheek? For I was in Australia, of course, I have a gammy liver. Get another one. Yeah, <laughs> I changed that. I was like, I'm changing doctors for food. Do you know? Do, do you know why we're laughing? Because well, we can relate exactly yeah, what she's no, saying. Yeah. You love it. The, the madness yeah. of you it. Will, you will try absolutely everything in your power to protect the, the addiction, yeah. Mark. Yeah. You know, to protect the, 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 your addiction to drugs or, or gambling or anything or food. Yeah. There's, there's so many across the board. Yeah. You know, so that's why we're yeah. kind of laughing. I know it, it, on a personal level, like you're watching somebody that's really harming themselves, and it's tough for you to understand. Well, I but, suppose just on that as well, uh, just a bit, a bit, a bit. Of, kind of context from, from my side of the table on it because you kind of in that story there kind of fast forwarded to yeah, like that yeah. wasn't over like a couple of months or mm. yeah. a couple of weeks that like what Suze has talked about there like was over kind of that was a couple of years, years like, yeah. yeah do you know so um, so that wasn't overnight and I suppose the other thing is I think I know it yourself that you used the word culture mm. for me um, in those early days beyond the can days we'll say even though that was still in the mix there was a couple of pivotal things like that kind of kicked in when I suppose I started becoming a bit more, mm, hold on a second now with this. And not only that, that I started becoming a bit more vocal about, hold on a second now, like, no, like, or stop or what, you know. And like, Susie used to stay a lot with me, but we weren't technically living together. But like, we did kind of progress into living together. And then obviously, when that, that was one huge pivotal point because she was with me all the time outside of work then, you know. So when she like came home from work in the evenings and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and the other thing was, like, I never would have been a big, um, a big man for drinking at home myself, you know, unless mm. an all party all hours of the night, like, you yeah. know, as in I'd kind of go out to the pub because I liked the social aspect of it as well. So when Sue's moved in then as well, like me going to the office for, for, um, bottles of wine turned into this kind of regular thing then as well. Mm. Something that I wouldn't have been privy to prior to her moving to me because mm. she'd buy a bottle on the way home to her, her, her own place and I, I wouldn't know any of that but like I knew then we'll say all the times that the bottles were coming into yeah. the house because more often than that it was me that was going to the office to buy it so then obviously when I was getting that then I kind of I kind of started kind of zoning in a bit there in that regard 
But like funny again, and I suppose funny is probably the wrong word, even at that stage, it became about like, I was just questioning, why do you have to do this? You know, again, I wasn't thinking Susan's got a problem, uh, like an alcoholic. I might be thinking you're you're a a bit heavy on the sauce there at times kind of thing. Like, and I remember we used to have conversations. Could you not just leave it till we go to the weekend? And, you know, we'll go for a drink together there at the weekend as opposed to the bottle of wine every Mm -hmm. evening and stuff. But it came back to the culture because she'd said mm. it to me again. Like, and she, mm. I'd saw her colleagues doing it, getting on to her. And, you know, I'd, I'd go to the, the offy there up near where, whatchamacallit, it used to be, um, that pub has gone down Holly. the outside. The Holly there, you know? Oh, like, well. I'd, yeah. And I'd go in, I'd go in there, like, and anytime I'd go in there, it was packed or whether I was dropping her off or I was going in there myself. So, like, it just seemed really normal. But, but like it wasn't normal to me but then I was thinking look think about where you're coming from now compared to Sue's like and our small village down in Kerry like Sue's is like from the, the ticket of Northside manager in, mm. in River Island like right in the ticket of it in Cork City so that's for me kind of tied into the culture yeah. but I suppose when we did start work living together then and our relationships started getting uh, stronger and deeper then I suppose I felt like I had a bit more of authority to actually start speaking up yeah. and, and I did start speaking up but I look back now and I'm, I'm actually almost embarrassed and and confused at how kind of ignorant or naive, you know, or whether I was in a sense of denial at the time, like to it, like that I was just thought. High insight. You know, high insight is always twenty twenty. Yeah, of course. And you don't have the benefit of that and you're in the moment, so don't be so hard on yourself. But I was thinking about like when you got with her and you were going out the weekends and you know, it was great, you know, the drinking was fine, but the more contact you and you had with Susan as you grew closer you d- then start to see more drinking, you know. So yeah, the exactly. more the more you were around Susan, the more you were drinking. Was, yeah. she, she was drinking all the time. You just began to see it more as you got closer. Totally. Um, some other favourite. Sorry for the question. No, some other, um, some other, I just wanted to the, the point Susan made about telling me that time. I think that was actually in town, if I remember right, as opposed to. But it was kind of like the way it was said. It was almost like, you know, she no sooner had it said that she kind of brushed it off again. Like, and mm-hmm. I remember thinking, what? What are you, like you're feeling sick or whatever like and like we ended up staying out that night again like and the following day I remember saying it to you Joe kind of quizzing you on it and it was completely brushed off so like again like to your point hindsight being twenty twenty, like yeah. I obviously alarm bells should have probably gone off at that stage and I'm embarrassed that it didn't yeah. but like I was just thinking look this girl certainly drinks more than anyone that I'm, I'm I've been with before like and certainly drinks more kind of at home and during the week than I would be used to myself but I still didn't think, oh, Susan's an alcoholic, you know, that, that, yeah. like not at that stage of a relationship that hadn't come into my yeah. head. My, my head no, uh, I'd what? just to say as well, that's because what? like addiction is insidious, like and mm. it was so sneaky, like, yeah. and I was so mm. sneaky. Mm. So like when you even say, you know, I didn't cop it, uh, how how would you wouldn't you cop did it? your best for not to cop it? Double wide, like, do you know what I mean? New handbag, every like I was, I, every measure that was in place, I had it in place, like like clockwork. Do you know what I mean? I knew exactly what I was doing to protect my drinking and it didn't matter and it, it was just to kind of I was just out with fires then do you know mm, with, with yeah. the com- when the conversation came up to try and defuse it to make it sound like it wasn't as bad as it was so like you're I can say it myself I own it like a master manipulator do you know mm-hmm. what I mean in deflecting from my own behaviour and putting it on his behaviour or saying you're wrecking my head about this but actually it was because what I was doing was completely wrong and I knew what I was wrong but I couldn't stop yeah. it and I was too ashamed to uh, say anything about it. I suppose you didn't have any awareness around it either yourself because you no. you weren't really around anybody in recovery at the time to understand your own actions, you know? Absolutely. And it was a coping strategy. I used it my whole life. So mm. It was like, 
what? <laughs> what's I going to do this? Like, yeah. it, like it's, it was my soother. Do you know what I mean? It was my soother as an adult, right up until, and I could never imagine life without it. I was like, how do people? That's not a reality. That can't be a world people mm. live in. That wouldn't be my reality. Do you know? We drank every night. Everyone I knew drank most nights. When I say we, not me and you, but people that I knew. Yeah. So, to me, almost like he was the weirdo. Do you know what I mean? I was yeah. like, what? Oh, <laughs> this is weird. Why don't you want to drink? Whereas he was, and then like it came to a head when we were living together because it became visible and it was harder and harder to hide it. Mm-hmm. And then the deception from my side had to creep in because I had to, I had to defend the drink. Yeah. Do you know? Sorry, sorry, Tim. No, I was just going to say something there. Um, do you know? Sorry to cut across you. Walk away. Um, I remember towards the end of my own addiction, you know, my wife had to lock the doors and with the, with keys and windows. She'd have to plank all my shoes in the house. You know, she'd take everything and I used to climb out the windows and I'd, I'd find a pair of slippers or whatever. And I'd, some nights in winter nights, I'd go in a short pants, right? I might have a, a light little jacket. It'd be raining, but I'd be going looking for a party, right? Mm-hmm. But my point is, is in the house around those times, I would have a bag of drugs planked in every single room of the house. Mm. You know, every single room. And that's what it done to me towards the end. And I didn't understand that either. Was 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 it like that with drink? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, every, there was one instance, do you want to? Well, really, I just smile now. Really I smile now. And you know what? Like, I'm just so grateful that we can smile about it. Like, cause right. it, like I'm not smiling at you kind of made the point yourselves earlier about some that you were laughing that you weren't laughing at that per se because it was humorous like um but like i just smile smile back as in like um i think to your point when when the deception kept in and because i was kind of in your face a lot more often because we were living together and i was getting more vocal it became harder for it to hide and uh like i unbeknownst to me like this only came out in years later like and I mean it's only even in, like I'm still getting bits of it like over even the last three or four years that I didn't know what was going on sure. you know so um, I was completely unaware to, uh, to so much but like when, when it was escalating to the stage where Suze was kind of getting to the getting to the level where like yeah this is serious there's a problem here and the narrative and the language was changing more towards addiction when we were getting towards that like like I, I was finding like empty bottles uh, you know in in um jesus under the sinks and in in wardrobes and uh jesus in cushions and uh inside in a uh, uh, fucking tight pardon my french Toilet, like like everywhere and anywhere, like basically, Mm. like. But like, I I remember when it happened first, like, um, like it's it's kind of upsetting thing about it now. But like, I remember being so confused, Mm. and like, it probably sounds silly now, like saying that I was confused, Mm. you know, because I was thinking like. I think back, like, geez, you should have had more cop on or been a bit more intelligent. But, like, I, I was just confused about what's going on. And then I remember confronting her. And I was very binary about things because I didn't have a, a, a full understanding or yeah. awareness of, of the enormity of, of what's going on. So it was just binary to me at the time. Like, why are you doing this? And, like, you can't, like, you, have, you basically have to stop or, like, this is, you know, or, or else. And then when she didn't, and when I found it again, like I took it as a personal attack on me then, mm. you know, because she was disrespecting me again, not knowing the enormity of what was going on. And it was like, F this and, and F that, what's going on? And and then uh, 
confronted her again and made up and there was loads of promises and stuff and like to give her her due there now as well like I don't want to be kind of painting her like in a bad light all the time because I have to be accountable for a lot of stuff back then as well because I can constantly say now like that I enabled it even though I didn't realise I was enabling it at the time because I did enjoy our social life mm -hmm. like I really enjoyed us going out together you know and like funny enough there was a lot going on back there back then from my side between wedding with a lot of weddings and there was a lot of kind of festivals and stuff that we were going to and I'd be a mad uh, GA man and a lot of matches we were going to we were going to Dublin and we were going to matches in Parky Cueve and like a, a lot of social stuff where drink was related and I actually liked Susan would being it, with would, me would it be fair to say her drinking and her ability to drink suited ya in those instances at, completely at, at like yeah completely and I mean I can look back now like and like like it's not that I'm, I won't say shame or shame or anything, but like I certainly will take responsibility in relation. To, I feel like I enabled it in those moments mm -hmm. from a selfish point of view because we were a couple. You know, we we our relation was very strong at the time. I had introduced her to all my circles. All my friends loved her. My family loved her. Like when we were out, even together on our own, we used to have great crack. Everyone liked meeting us. Mm -hmm. Liked being in our company. So there was an element of that. Like so mm -hmm. then. I was almost kind of like, kind of, I wanted my cake and eat it a small bit at the time when I think about it because I didn't want her doing it at home. Mm. But I was okay for her to do it then when she was out with me at the weekends. But like, obviously, I still didn't fully grasp mm. what exactly was going on with it. Alcoholism is like all or nothing. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I can't turn on and off, you know? Um, and something you bring up, something there, it's important for us to kind of talk about around um, people that are watching that. It, they might think they have a drink problem or they might think that family member hiding drink is a huge red flag mm -hmm. hiding food hiding medication these are all very um, um, not normal abnormal behaviours you know what I mean there's no reason for anybody to be hiding food yeah. or to be hiding their medication be hiding their drink no that's a big red flag so it's just for people watching mm -hmm. um, I'd say towards the end like was there a lot of conflict in the relationship how did it, how did it end how did you end up in recovery Susan? So, um, like, kind of, there's been, you know what, there's been so many chapters, like, you know, over the years, I can't even, I probably misremembering the timelines, you know, yeah. like, we, I think we did break up when, and then I, and yeah, I think kind of coinciding what we were talking about there, I, I remember, well, it was a wedding that we had up the country, oh, yeah. above in Westport, and we were driving up, and, uh, <laughs> Again, I'm only laughing now because when I think back at it, well, like that, this was the kind of the, the straw that brought the camels back for me in relation to right, as in like something's got to give here, like or or like we're or we're done because, um, like the, the behaviours not only are they not changing, they're actually getting worse. But what it was was a Luke's head bottle, and every time I see a Luke's head bottle to this day, the memory comes back into my mind. Vodka. No, it was. Wine, wine, white wine inside. Inside, the yeah. said. I got to back but in the end. But we were pulling, <laughs> we were pulling into, we were pulling into some um, petrol station. Whether you were going to use the bathroom or get cigarettes or, or something of that nature, and I like, and uh, I told you to get a drink for me coming out, like a water or something. Um, and she came out and just forgot the drink, like so. That was grand. We took off, and I was like, I'm actually tired, but we were or not tired, thirsty, but we were caught for time. So I, I made a beeline for the Lucasade that was on the ground. Like, so look, give me just give me a drink of the Lucasade just to keep me taking over so we can get back in the road. Like, I say your health sank. She was being very cagey about the bottle Lucasade. Like, and I thought none of it first. 
And then, like, it just got really, really weird, like, and then I just managed to grab the bottle, like, and I took a swig out of the bottle, like, and it just, it, it, it knocked me for six, like, as in not the drink, as in mm. what, what I just, what, yeah. like, the, the realization of after all the conversations that we'd had kind of prior to it and where we were going and very close friends of mine now as well, like, and kind of concerned that, you know, you'd keep it together at the wedding and said that yeah. you were, et cetera. And, like it was just whatever. And then like, funny enough to be fair to you again, like, and again, I, I think back and I think in retrospect here again, that I, I was being selfish in that I wanted the wedding to go ahead. As in, I was looking forward to going to it. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to turn around and not in, and end up sacrificing that week, week, weekend with my friend, you know? So we kind of managed to talk it out and the forgiveness again, like, but yeah. between the jigs and the reels in there, like, without going into any great detail, further detail, that night escalated into something really, really, really bad. Like, And that was kind of like the beginning of the end. It was the beginning of the end for us in that moment of our relationship. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was the beginning. It was the beginning of a real realization of you kind of looking into doing something from a, from mm. a, you know, recovery point of view or, or just some treatment point of view that you weren't trying up to that stage. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Mm. And I, like, it's mad because I, the, I had been doing that for a while, the whole Luke's thing. And I remember, Jesus Christ, I nearly I went to the car just to open, like, and mm. just, <laughs> and next thing I was like, oh God. And I remember I still, like, I still laid to his face, like, and mm. said, it's not wine. And he was like, are you actually free? Like, and taste it. And I was like, it's not wine. Deadpan, like, you know, um, and I suppose for me, it was just like, again, things were starting to come to head. Like, that doctor had said that in, in between, you yeah. know, there's, there was, you know, my, my hair had started falling out. Like, there was other impersonal things, not like, we're starting to get some real consequences. Yeah, the, exactly. There was stuff starting to happen to me. And obviously, like, Mark was, was, had, was blown in the face from saying, like, we, these were just repeated conversations. Do you know, the G can identify with it was over and I swear, I swear, I stopped this, da, 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 and then rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. I was, I actually think what was one of the breaking points for me was I was exhausted. I was absolutely mentally tortured. It wasn't even at that stage about like saving anything. It was just, I'm actually wrecked. I can't, I can't, I can't keep doing this. Like I actually just want to die. I prefer to be dead than keep doing this. Um, so and I, I, I reached out to like mental health professionals because I, I was just like I just want to kill myself I can't keep going I can't be who who I thought he wanted me to be mm. this person that can drink and not drink I can't I'm making promises I can't keep I'm becoming a liar when I swear that I'm this honest straight out person I'm contradicting myself left right and centre I was hating who I was looking back at in the mirror do you know, regardless of what was even going on externally, this was all going on internally. Do you know what I mean? I was sickened that I was planning my route home with the wine bottles. I was sick of making excuses for all that constantly. Do you know, I was just, I was just exhausted. And then Mark was like, and that's what I'm done as well. And I, I remember like, and right, rightfully so, he was disgusted. Like, do you know what I mean? Because we were going to a wedding, do you know, all dressed up, all the biz, and there's drinking the, in the Luke's bottle, like hiding again. Do you know what I mean? So I was becoming these people that I would have thought were, oh my God. Mm. But I was that. That's who I was like. Do you know what I mean? But I was pretending to was, still be... Was there a lot of shame for you? Massive. I couldn't face myself. I could not look and say, yeah, you do really have a problem. Like, it's amazing that today I look at people and say, and I genuinely mean it, being vulnerable is, is, is a strength. And mm. I didn't believe any of that. 
Like I said that today, and I mean it wholeheartedly, but I didn't believe that. That was weak. Yeah. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and you drive on, girl. Do you know what I mean? And me admitting I'm an alcoholic, that, that's like a failure. I'd start fucking everything up. No, you just keep going. And then it was because I was just suicidal. I was like, oh, well, where am I going to go now? And no one could help me in terms of like, Mark tried to help me numerous times, gave me loads of chances. When I said no one could help me, I, I suppose I mean professional help. Mm-hmm. And there was a grandiosity to me that I didn't want to. I was. You had this persona at the Yeah, board. of what it was and who I'd go to. And like, I didn't fit in with going to an addiction counselor or in my head, like, you know what yeah. I mean? I was a total addict. Um, but in my head, I was like, no. So um, when I went to a professional and she said to me, she couldn't help me, I was like, great. So I honestly was just like, delete. Sure. And then I was like, I was so messed up in the head that I was like, I'll probably fuck that up now as well. Mm-hmm. I was like, so. Everyone's going to hate me even more because I'm going to cause loads more misery mm. on top of this. And she gave me a leaflet to go to, it was uh, Fernand's actually, yeah. treatment centre. And I was like, what's the story with this now? Like, this is true. I'll have to give up my job. I was yeah. like, he's already after finishing with me. I'm already after to move back to my mum's. I'm ashamed. Like, all the shame was already there. And it was all this new shame mm. because now I've not this together person now I can't get up and get myself that up because I don't have to, I'm not able to do it because I'm so bait. Um so I was like I'll go into treatment <clears throat> and I went doing the best of intentions I went in to see what, what's wrong what's wrong with me yeah. tell me what's wrong with me help me um, but I still didn't think it was the drink I took three months in there and Mark was still supportive I mean, he used to like send me in like he used to send me in letters he used to send me in cards like used to send me in cigarettes even though I didn't start smoking until I went to treatment. <laughs> That's not an addict, I don't know what it is. Um, do you know, he used to like send me chocolate, be supportive, his family were supportive, they sent me cards. Even though we weren't together, he'd still, yeah. he still kind of, he still was rooting for me, do you know what I mean? Mm. And I remember, I remember not smoking in finance and when the girls goes to me, but like, do you know when you come out now, how are you going to deal with, like if you made up with him, like if he wants to go for a drink, I was like, but should I don't have a problem with drink? after some three months of treatment yeah. and swearing that I was telling the truth I was like no you're not understanding I had too much stuff going on in my life and I just needed a break but I'm delighted and I'm so grateful for the break thanks and I was I found God and I felt really spiritual and it was lovely and I came out and three weeks later I met, went back to Mark and was like oh, I'm, I feel great look at me I, I looked good you know and it was like legit good like as then it wasn't all makeup or anything yeah. it was the real authentic me as I thought yeah. and three weeks later I was like mm. do you know what I mean do you know when you went sorry Tim do you know when you went back to your mum's after the split did your mum and your brothers confront you did you have to get real with them and honest with them and how was that yeah horrendous horrendous mm. um, and like again would have been lying as well to them do you know what I mean um, and I would and I don't think it's there. and again I'm only speaking from personal experience but I don't think it's I think when, for me, when I went back to the family home, I reverted back to being a child mm. mentally, do you know? Mm. So I, on top of being an addict and on top of, and feeling hard done by and oh my God, my life and all this. So like, it was really hard. And like addiction fractures every, it doesn't just destroy you, it destroys everyone around you. Do you know what I mean? effect. Yeah. And like, and I did, and I, I own all that. Um, but it wasn't good for me to be right back in, the environment that I grew up my whole life in because all the associations were all there. Like, mm. I couldn't even go to an appointment without passing the offie. So, 
just even environmental triggers were everywhere. Mm. And again, I didn't know these words then. Do you know what I mean? I, I didn't know. know what this meant. Yeah. Like, um, so it was inevitable that I drank, do you know? Yeah. No, like, did I look back to it? And thankfully, I got back into treatment. I got a bed three weeks later and I went to Brory and it was 13th June 2013. That was my last drink, please God. Um, and again, Mark to the rescue. Um, yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far now, to be fair. I suppose, again, like, a nice little segue to bring me into it, but I wouldn't go that far. And like earlier, I know there's a long period there in what she's talking about, from that wedding moment to going into going into and coming out of brewery. Because even in, we didn't break up at that on that wedding, believe it or not. Forgive as bad and all as it got, like... We said we'd work, try it, give it a go again, but loads of other things happened again after the behaviour wasn't there. And I just, I just said enough. But like, um, we stayed in contact prior to that. You know, when Suze, when Suze went home, living with the parent, we're living with her, 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 her family home at home. Like we kept in contact. I couldn't break contact, you know, as in, like I was just confused. I was lost myself. I was a completely different individual and man back then than I am now mentally, spiritually and emotionally myself, like, you know, a lot of other stuff going on outside of that, like, so I just wasn't in the place to actually fully be, fully see what was going on and, and, and you know, be, 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 be fully there, like, because I thought I'd done everything mm. and I thought I'd, I tried everything and enough was enough. But when I think back there and if it was, was like the help wasn't help at all because I didn't even know what I was helping her against, you know, mm. but, yeah. um, there was just something pulling me back the whole time. And like we've spoken about this so many times. I can actually bring it back to the very first night we met. Well, not the first night, the second night, the second day when we was just speaking with no drink, like for hours on end. And it, it kind of etched in my mind. And it's almost like, like I'm really grateful for this now as well. Like it's, it's like I was able to see beyond the troubled soul at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was seeing beyond, even though when I was in it, we, I, I hated it, like, and we fucking, like, pardon again, we had a war, like, back then, before I knew, before there was an actual proper prognosis, right? We used to have war, like, because I just thought, this is Sue's overdoing it, because, like what she had said, this is the way it's done where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? What the fuck is wrong with you, Carrie, man? It, you, you've got the problem. And in this respect, we're living together. I'm asking you to do something. You're not doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to give you everything outside of this. Just you know, work with me, la da la la la, you know? So, like, and there was war because when I get going myself, like, uh, I'm not proud of it. Like, I, I, I'm fiery, like, and we did have EastEnders fucking arguments, like, mm. do you know what I mean? We do Danny Darber. I could see an Alfie Moon shop tonight. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, I suppose with, with the, I just need, like, I, I couldn't cut ties, and, but I, I knew I didn't want to kind of, be doing too much in that first round either, like, cause I was, I didn't know where we were going in the relationship. So I didn't want to, like, I was kind of, I was half in, if you will, like, yeah. so that's why I just sent, uh, I sent the letters and I sent the, the, sent the, the cigarettes and like, but I kind of wanted her family to step in really, like, in relation to support, cause I think I thought that would do her good and, and do them good as well. Like, so I stepped back from that. But again, foolishly, I get the letter, everything's going great. I was almost looking at it kind of going, Jesus, Susan's, uh, passing this with flying colours down there mm. I kind of thought okay Susan will come out now she'll have her shit together we'll kind of be able to do stuff technically if we were to get back together but just not Susan drinking like but like that a lot of things could continue in the same vein you know mm. Com- mad silly like when I think back but no um, but like when she did co- I-, I was completely oblivious as well to 
the whole addiction process is in the our uh, addiction process itself and and more importantly the recovery process mm-hmm. you know and particularly when she came out first I had no idea like that actually relapse was part of the process and I didn't discover this till like a couple of years later like and um like I, I wish if I had a time machine to go back and I was even privy to that I I I may I, I might have had a different mindset and a different approach when she came out initially but I was completely oblivious to all that like and like I I collected you from from um Fernandes do you know, and even though we weren't together, I still went down and collected you from Nance and another friend or a girl that you'd met in there yeah. and stuff. But it was only, it was only when kind of Suze went into Brewery then the second time round. Well, like that three week gap was horrendous, like horrendous, like and we like really, really bad, like yeah. some really bad instances there now, like mm. that we probably won't bring up. Like, but yeah. she had like, like when I think back, the courage and strength to actually to go into the second treatment again, like, but. When I saw that, I said, right, I, I'm going to make more of a conscious effort this time. Mm. I still didn't know where we were going to end up, but I said, you know what? I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to step up a small bit more than I had done previously. And then as that, as that round of treatment went down and on and I saw how hard she was working, um, up there, cause I, I used to go up visiting every second Sunday. Her mother used to go up one Sunday and I used to go up the second Sunday and I used to ring, I think it was, Jesus, uh, it was a 10, a 10 minute phone call every Friday or, or whatever day it was in at a certain time. Mm. Do you know, I, I used to do that. And when I saw what, all the work that she was putting in above there in Brewery and kind of experiencing it firsthand, I remember when, the first day I went in there, I thought like it was daunting. Do you know, you touched on it earlier, like when you said about how hard it is to see someone that you care about in pain mm. or hurting themselves. I remember walking in, going in the first day, like, and like I was just, it was like I was hit straight away with, with this such emotion like because I saw you could see the pain in it like there was so much pain in the room when you went in mm. but behind it all like I remember you could see such determination and and hope behind mm. behind it as well like and I really started seeing that in Susan and seeing it grow over that three month period and I started talking a lot to counsellors up there um two two in particular um Oh, Kathleen was in that. Kathleen was one lady, and Trevor, I think, at the time, yeah. and like they were kind of educating me, really. Like, and did and you just know, no, no, go on, Do you know? Do, do you know when the relapse still happened? Did you take that as a personal attack on you? Like, did you take that? Like, like at this stage, no, you were, you were starting to obviously research addiction anyway, just to understand it a little bit. I, I hadn't, I hadn't really done it, delved into it at that at that stage at all. Like, to be fair. Uh, and there's a huge part of me that wish I had, uh, wish that I had, but like, I, I just got so mad, like, cause mm. I thought like, and again, when I think back, like that was the symptom, mm. like it wasn't like the madness, like when I think back, there was fear, there was confusion. Like I was going, I was trying to, I, I would have kind of classified myself as kind of logical or somewhat intelligent. And I was kind of doing the maths in it. She did a great treatment. She's in great form. She's coming out. She's allegedly going to all these meetings, you know, because, and, and aftercare and whatnot. I mean, and then this, I just couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And then I thought, uh, it, like, it was just a tsunami again of feelings and just uh, anger. And it was just an overreaction at the time. And like, I suppose I took it at, uh, to your point, a, a bit of disrespect again in my regard, but I just felt lost as well. I thought, you know what? Like I'm out of my depth here. Like, as in this, this is too big for me. 
Um, I'm fighting a losing battle, like silliness. And you know what? When I think back, I'm, I'm honest enough and brave enough to say, like, there was a bit of victim, victim mentality in my, in myself as well. Poor me. Mm. You know, what did I do to draw this on myself? Um, mm. why do I have to shoulder this burden? You know, um, that kind of thing. Uh, so that kind of led to that. But then, like I said, I did decide to start going into it, but to your earlier point as well, it's when I started observing what was going on above there firsthand, as opposed to just reading letters like the first time and seeing, visibly seeing the change, but hearing it from the councillors, yeah. like they spoke to me, us collectively first, we had a couple of collective meetings, three of us, um, Trevor did a few times, Kathleen did three of us a few times, but then I met with them myself, one on one as well, like, and I got so much from that because they, they kind of stirred the fire in me then to kind of go, right, I need to educate myself here because I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know who I'm fighting. I don't know who's in the opposite corner here. Like I thought it was one thing, but there's a way more uh, going on here. Like, so then, then I started going away to do that. And, and I kind of took that three month period, like we're still up in the air, like, and I still didn't, you know, we still didn't know what was going on, but there was a lot, a lot, a lot going on in that particular period. But, I remember, if Susan doesn't mind me saying this as well, that like you got to a stage, I don't know how long you were from the end of the treatment, that you had enough. Mm. She had enough. She was pulling the pin. She was sick of it. Like she'd sent me a letter um, highlighting that. I remember you saying it to me on the phone. Like I, I didn't know what to kind of say, but that lady that I'm talking about, Kathleen, she actually rang me about it as well directly to tell me and just kind of said how imperative it was that, that Susan just stay the course that she's actually doing really, really well. And, but that's imperative that she, fi she finishes out her term, like, and mm -hmm. she kind of sit, kind of put it on me, or not put it on me, like, but just to kind of see would mm -hmm. I, would I talk to her to see if I could kind of get through to her to stay. What, what kind of head state were you in at mm -hmm. that time, Susan, inside? Um, what was driving I, you out? <clears throat> mm. I hated every minute of the second treatment, unlike the first one. I didn't have any peace of mind. I didn't trust my, anything I said. I was even afraid to share meetings and I was saucy with it, do you know, because I was, I was, I was angry. I was bitter. I was, I was angry at myself. Do you know what I mean? And I, I remember going into the meetings and, you know, they'd be saying, going around us, whatever, say if it was a gratitude week. And I, they'd come to me and I'd say, girl, do you bother asking me? Try not to go and lay anyway. Look what I did. Sounds and I was like you were breathing. Stuck. Do you know, I was stuck. I couldn't mm -hmm. move. And she was like, well, that's not going to help. I was like, well, didn't have the first time. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, probably victim mentality. Do you know what I mean? But when I tried this, I did three months. Lord, this really worked. He made me worse. That was my thing, actually. Mm. He made me this. He really highlighted my problem. I'm screwed all together. Um, and I wanted to leave. But like, it was one, Kathleen, that woman, she was amazing. I remember she said to me, once she just said to me, to what? Leave to what? Where are you going? I swear to God, I never wanted to knock someone out so much in my whole life because the reality was, to what? To nothing. And I was like, I just, do you know, they just get a moment where you have to think. And I was like, because I was running, like, do you know what I mean? I was like, she was like, where do you live? Where, or have you a job to go to? Because you haven't told us about all along. Is there, is there someone you need to save? And I was like, oh my God. That I'm, she was like, you're leaving to drink, like. And I was like, I'm not, how dare you? She was right, like, do you know what I mean? And I, I'm, because Mark had started coming up to see me, I was getting like a glimmer of hope, but I was afraid as well, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I was trying to become very self-reliant again, which is, I am a very resilient woman, always have been, mm -hmm. to my detriment. 
at times. So it was trying to balance that. Mm. I was like, I wanted him, I needed him, but I needed me more because if I didn't have me, I'd nothing. Mm. And if I came out then, I'd have nothing at all. So I, I was all, I was all over the shop, do you know what I mean? Mm. But the fact that he, what I did find really good was the fact that Kathleen spoke to, to Mark about addiction because I felt like nothing I said was being believed anymore everything I said was lies do you know and that that, that that was my perception of it and she said to me no I'll tell I can tell him like that 90% of people do relapse like it's part of the process and I was like but they think I'm making this shit up like <laughs> huge penny drop there for me was that when I heard that I was like what isn't like that's such a vital piece of information I was thinking why am I only hearing this now like and like a like, not that I was blaming Kathleen or anyone else for only telling me no, but like, I was just kind of going, geez, that's vital. As in, like, for anyone like that's on this side of the table, like, that's something yeah. like that, that anyone. When I was in the detox, detox for methadone and Valium and that, um, there's 12 of us in the detox and one of the counselors was, or one of the nurses was after saying, like, oh, there's 12 of you that's here. Not, not to the whole group, no, just in a conversation, you know. He said, out of the 12 of you that's here, only two or three you will stay sober. You make sure that you're one of the two or three gems. And I've heard the same, yeah. And I, and I said, you know what, I will not be the fucking 90%, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I'll do what I have to take. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was that realisation of, what are you leaving to, James? You've destroyed everything. Mm-hmm. You've burnt every bridge you've ever had. Mm-hmm. Your parents are shocking. You've no assets. You've no education, mm-hmm. employment, nothing. You have nothing. What are you leaving for? And you just have to stick it out. But can I ask you a little bit about how you found early recovery, getting out, and how you changed your mindset? What I literally did, and I swear to God, was I did another treatment when I came out, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. I literally, I, when I came out, me and Mark again, we were still up in the air, and he, but he had been supportive and said, look, I will, I'll step in here and you can, you can come and stay with me. And I was like, oh my God, amazing. And he was, he said, like, but no drink, do you know what I mean? There can't be drink. And I was like, oh God, how am I going to do that? But I was like, I'm really going to try, like, I was like, and I didn't want to be like white knuckles over, but I didn't even know any of that shit meant. I was just like, I have to try. And Kathleen sat me down and it was just like, again, reflection, but psychoeducation and explaining it to me. Do you know, she was like, Susan, if you go out, right, and if you don't drink for three months, your percentage drops to, I think she said like 40. She was like, you know, if you don't drink for another three months, 10. And I was like, fuck off. She was like, yeah, and I was like, Oh, so like if I do this again, and she was like, "Yeah, you've already done three months that you came back to treatment. You've done another three months." So I was like, "So like if I do week one to twelve, like I did in here," and she was like, "Yeah." And I came out and I, I sat out Mark and I was like, "So that's what I'm going to have to do." And he was like, "Right, so what's the plan?" I was like, "So I have to do it like as if I'm in treatment. So I have to go to a meeting in the morning, meeting in the afternoon, meeting in the evening, and I have to pray for ten o'clock to come that I don't drink, go to bed, and get up and pretend I'm grateful. Whatever, I'll do whatever. If you're going to tell me run up down the street naked, I'll do it because." I've suffered enough. I've done enough. And I just, that's exactly what I did. So in my mind, it was my third treatment. So then I was in the 40s. Remember I was saying to you, yeah. I'm in the 40% now. Yeah. I have a chance now, like. Yeah. I was like, and I'm, I'd be very determined anyways. I was like, I have a fighting chance now. Nine to one. I was like, God's really against me. Four, I was like, I, I could do that, like. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And then, I just started, I suppose, I didn't go back to retail. I switched jobs completely because my mindset had changed because I wasn't, I, this is not against retail. I did it for years, and I know I, I love getting dressed up and stuff. But I just thought it was very shallow. Mm. Like my 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 thinking had changed. Do you know what I mean? I wanted. I actually wanted to help people. Do you mm. know? I was like, God, I'm really that, that that's lousy. Like mm. I think what I went through. I was like, that's lousy on people. Mm. So I wanted to actually help people. So I just that that's what I just my focus was that getting through the day. And I always say to people when they say like, and 
was is is it hard? Oh my god, it was so hard. That first three months, it was that three months was harder mm. than treatment. Mm. But it was worth it. <laughs> it's easy to stay sober in the residential treatment centre. It's the when you get out is the big challenge. Yeah, and you're right to leave the job because there's so many triggers involved in that lifestyle. You know, um, and what kind of career path did you go down? What did you end up doing? So I I remember I went into a. I didn't even know Carcity Parish you think up in the north side I was up uh, with the doctor Nick Finn who you done yeah. uh, and uh, I went in and this one said something about a sea scheme and here I was what what's that and she was a community employment scheme I was like I never heard of that in my life um, and but again right people right time curious do you know and I said it and it was a health promotion job came up um, in the centre and I was like girl I'd sell anything health not a bother I was like I'm in top form at the moment so I did that for two and a half days yeah. and it was such an important move that yeah and Certainly. and it just that just took me down a different avenue of helping people and that kind of like that you would have seen the massive yeah. change then yeah I, I think like to just go back to like uh, for, to one thing and then to come up on it when Helen said that to me and the penny dropped about relapse it it, it gave me a different uh, like it put a different perspective and complexion and, and what had happened in the after the first treatment you know over the three week period do you know mm-hmm. so it, like it kind of took a load off and it just changed the way I looked at that period and 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 then it, it lowered the judgment that I that I threw at her and all the like I didn't feel as last like I, I I just got so much from that I, I can't probably articulate myself mm. well enough knowing that like but getting that realization it, it, it certainly was a game changer for me or the first of many game changers but then to Susan's when she came out we had that the key was we had we had real conversations because we were doing it while we were in treatment, while she was in treatment, and we were doing it in that collective environment with Kathleen and Trevor. So when she came out, we got to have that conversation right from the off. I'm going to attack it three months. Okay, let, let's plan it. And Navy SEALs, let's work the problem. Three-foot world, you know, this is our three-foot world now. Let's work this problem. Talked it out. Meetings was the big key. Um, like, what could I do to kind of help and just to show that I'm, I'm more supportive than I had been previously. I used to walk to... Walker to meetings, the odd times, you know, collector outside the door, walk her back. Um, like any time, any time she'd see something come on. Like I suppose in one sense, I think back, it was the beginning of a positive change in me as well in relation to it, but I still had an awful lot of work to do. And I, and again, I, like I, I'm fine admitting that because it's, it, this is, a, it's a long, arduous process mm. and like, like it's different stages. And I mean, um, like I was still binary enough in my mm. approach in that it was the meetings or it was not, you know, it was nothing. As in, I felt like, okay, tangibles, like control controllables here. Like what tangibles can I do to help to support Susan? I can help her financially. I can put a roof over her, her head. You know, I can help her like all the basic needs, but, you know, I can take that out of the mix. But I mean, I still wasn't, even though I was doing it a small bit, there was plenty more that I could have been doing that I know now that I could have been doing back then. Mm. But that's what I focused on. The fo- folks that and, and even to to her, Susan's last point with that job, like it was imperative for me that she left um, retail because of the superficial nature of it, mm-hmm. and not only that, the, the whole social aspect of it. I knew it was too much mm-hmm. for her to ask, and the high pressure. I mean, she used to be under immense pressure there for targets, and in in, in that kind of a world, it's all target driven. Retail and is a tough gig. It's nuts, especially when you're a manager. So the fact that she got into that. And the helping, pe- the helping people and the irony of it all, like we were living in Grant Street at the time 
I was rent, uh, renting in Grand Street with my brother and we were going to move prior to that when Susan was in, was in our treatment. We were going to move and there was something that we just, we were in the process of looking to try and move and then this trend, this happened and lo and behold, Susan went for an interview and it was, it was in the sexual health centre which is just around the corner from Grand Street mm. and I just said, look, my God, like is in, here's another technical tangible here now, hold on to this apartment she can start off this movement and she's literally walking to and from the job. Mm. No, but the shows as well. And it was my experience in recovery too. And Timmy's, you know, when you come into recovery and you start doing the right things, the opportunities, the doors just open for you. 100%. The opportunities come your way, Timmy, don't they? 100%. Everything opens up. You have this to be here. Sorry. Jesus. <laughs> I got his leg fell at the back of the car. It's <laughs> microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, it's, it's like... But you have to want it, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And you like, have to work for it. Yeah, it's, not, it's not handed to you. Like, do you know no. what I mean? I think it's, people think, like, oh, these things will just start unfolding if you do yeah. the right things. Yeah, yeah. You're in the effort. Yeah. It's like, like a lot of people, uh, I always emphasize this when I'm ever, ever talking to anybody in early recovery. Um, it's one thing to put a drink down and a drug, but, like, you're left with all the behaviors that mm-hmm. you learned yeah. during the addiction. You know, a lot of them could be stealing. A lot of them could be mm. violence. Could be it could be just anger, attitude problems. These are all behaviours, mm-hmm. right? They're the things you have to start working on when you put all these things down to be able to live a normal life. Mm-hmm. Like a normal life now would would be somebody that I looked up to in early recovery. Somebody like when I was in early recovery, I would have jumped in front of a car because I wanted it so much yeah. because I was just I, I, the pain that I went through in addiction you know it was <clears throat> was was pain mm-hmm. it was raw pain you know um, and it's just the behaviours are critical mm-hmm. to anybody's recovery because if you're still doing the same things I was inside in prison in early recovery um, and I was told before I went in there by people people places and things to me watch where you're going watch the people you're around, you know, and just be very, very careful. And I just kept that in my head, kept it in my head, kept it in my head. I was on the landing with my own brother and I had to had to keep my distance because, you know, not because we were arguing or anything like that, because I needed to be on that level, straight path where I had the blinkers on, where it was just all recovery, you know, and I had to look at all the behaviours that got me into prison in the first time, you know, I had to look look at myself, you know, and you spoke about it, well, go, about looking in the mirror. Mm. When I looked in the mirror in early recovery, I was seeing somebody that I'd never seen before. I had absolutely no awareness ever in my life. And for the first time, I was looking at this person in the mirror and what I was seeing was all... The bad stuff that I'd done in my past, you know, all the shame I had, the fear, the guilt for all the people I was after hurting along my journey in, 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 in addiction, you know, and there was a lot of violence in that. There was crime, you know, you both know how it is, mm-hmm. you know, so they're very, very important things, you know, and there was something we touched on something else there and I finish on this, I'll let it continue. I fought at the beginning in early recovery, not for me, but for the people that I loved around me. I never wanted to stop, never. Yeah. And there was times while I was inside in that prison, I wouldn't be praying for recovery. I'd be praying that my, my wife would leave me so I could go back to my old life. Yeah. She's my wife now back then. She was my partner. I would 
because that would be an excuse for me to go back using. You know, that's that's very important as well. You know, so before we finish up, Susan, have you anything to promote or anything coming up? Or um, do you know what? The only thing I'd be well, the main thing to promote is actually recovery. And honestly, like for me, it was about just getting honest. Do you know, diminish when people come into recovery, we, we we think that we we have to do it a certain way, or do you know we have to follow this person because they're doing it that way. Do you know what? Just be honest with yourself. Like if you if you can look that mirror thing is is it's something that I I live by. If you can look at yourself square in the mirror and go, yeah, I'm actually doing I am doing my best. Like and I'm not bullshitting a bullshitter. Like I mean it. Do you know you're, you're in with a chance. Like and anyone can get well, but if you as long as you as long as you keep doing that. And I would have been very um abstinence based because that's the treatment I received and that's mm. the only the only exposure I've had. Like I'm no addictions counselor myself. And I, but I'm a, I'm a general counsellor, but I specialise in addiction. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not a one size fits all. Whereas harm reduction to me years ago, before I was educated, was like the devil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas now I, I look at things like holistically and I say, look, what's doing harm? What's serving me well? What's not serving me well? Mm-hmm. And when people come, come into recovery, yeah, you have to change, but you don't have to lose who you are mm. do you know what I mean the core of who we are and when we're born is, is a beautiful person yeah. that person is still there do you know I don't think we have to just become a sheep and suddenly no. become cult orientated and we're all the same you know what I mean like yeah. be be yourself and enjoy life because why why get sober and clean if you're just going to be miserable do you know mm. what I mean you should be enjoying it yeah. and if you're and you should be able to be honest with people in your life that are in your life because if you feel you have to lie to them to be good mm-hmm. then maybe yeah. maybe move to someone else do you yeah. know what I mean yeah. Well, so said. well look lads it was a pleasure to have both of you on Thanks, oh, tough topic um, myself and Timmy might branch into couples counselling what yeah. do you reckon yeah? <laughs> most definitely <laughs> another point there before you finish up uh, how can people reach you if they are looking for any form of counselling off you? yeah thanks Timmy for that um, I'm on Twitter uh, person supported therapy um, and my number's up there. So Susan Galvin, even though I didn't <laughs> change, I did, we might have finished on a high there, boys, before we divorced tonight. Uh, I didn't change my name yet, but I did on Twitter. Um, so Susan Galvin, um, and it's, all my information's up there. So yeah, people can contact me there. What about yourself, Mark? Have you anything to add for any anyone that's going through similar yeah, struggles suppose, yourself? Um, yeah, as in like, it really is such such a it's a long process and it's not an easy fix and like we spoke at length myself and Susan lead up to this podcast as well like just having conversations about stuff and like like there's so many things that goes on from the other side of the table as well like and I think like the fact you know um, in the in the early days there's definitely um, you're, there's just your your it's like your what terminology do we use when we were talking about it? Um, it's not a confrontation, but I suppose it's kind of like uh, you're competing with each other, really, mm-hmm. in relation to the burdens or the sacrifices that you have to make from either side of the table. Like, and in, in the early days, like you're going to the non would say the non-addict or like myself in this scenario, like like either other non-drink related issues that were on the table that were kind of consuming me and other burdens and stuff out of it and you had to be kind of your, your own certain worries and you're kind of vying those times I felt like oh yeah I wish I was a fucking addict now actually because maybe we would be on a level par I know it's silly like and it's madness that we'd be on a level par now in this particular particular argument but there is a degree of that like and I mean if I could kind of have a conversation with 
with my old self there in relation to that, like, and things that I would have done better. Like, I mean, I wish back then, like, that I, I had uh, educated myself more on, on, on the whole process, as mm. in, like I was saying earlier, addiction itself, but the process that's involved in, in, in recovery, but also, like, to acknowledge, like, that it's okay to feel annoyed with her or angry with her or pissed off at her or that it's a natural response to actually feel like why do I have to compete with you here now why am I why are my worries or my problems not big enough when when they're put up against addiction Mm. or sobriety like it's silly like but I mean it's just a natural kind of thing that you'd have but like the more I learned about the the holistic thing that that is is addiction and internal recovery like and and realised and learned that it's like the drink is only the symptom like that, it, that it's not just an, an alcohol thing you know that, that mm. there's a, there's mental health there's emotion mm. there's loads of other things going on like and I think the the, the more I learned about it basically and the, the greater our communication got like the, the more it helped I mean you look at us now we think like we're far from the Waltons like we've had <laughs> we've had war like mm. but like you, I almost had to go through a number of the 12 steps myself as well on top of what I'm talking about yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And in particular, what always comes to mind is is, is acceptance, gratitude and, and the present. Because in the early days, I, I didn't have the gratitude because I wanted more. I, I, I wasn't present because I was always thinking about I had a goal that was around the corner or next month or the month after. I couldn't just stay in the present. Like, and even when I think of acceptance, I, I know now I look back, I was aware of it. To a certain degree, I could acknowledge that I knew it, but I didn't accept it for a very long time. As in, I didn't accept, even though Susan had said it, I'm an alcoholic and gone through the treatment. I didn't accept that, like really, really, truly accept it, mm. that I was actually um, going out with initially and then fell in love with it and ended up marrying like uh, an action alcoholic. It took me a very long time to actually realise it. I thought I had accepted it, mm. but but I, I didn't fully. And uh, it's only when I did that that, that I was actually able to process it properly in myself mm. and that I felt a lot of, looking back, I carried a lot of guilt because I felt like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this or I shouldn't be doing that or I shouldn't have enabled that or, you know, there was a lot, a lot of guilt there and that fed a lot of resentment then as well. I carried a lot of resentment as well. It took me a long time to get rid of that. But I mean, all I can say to anyone, like anything I've said tonight comes with caveats and anything that we've done or tried or felt like it isn't the one half fits all like that's just kind of like we're, what's what's happened to us today and what's worked for us today but like I foolishly thought back then like that Suze has to do the 12 steps she has to own that like and I can just be there like I was saying earlier tangibly be there but add in like the walk into the meetings more conversations etc but I don't have to live the steps because I don't have a problem with drink mm-hmm. but you like to my mind I think you had, there has to be some degree and even if it's those three pillars proper acceptance of what's going on full awareness like of the enormity of it and your responsibility and role within actually dealing with that being grateful for every little win every little mm. day you know and, and, is, and, and, and present and there is support for families out there and if anybody wants to contact us uh, we can link them in with support we're going to have to leave it there before yeah. the batteries go dead right <laughs> <laughs> But uh, thank you, Susan. <laughs> Thanks, You look lads. beautiful. You present really well. You speak really well, as always. It's great to talk to you. Matthew, you did brilliant. My, my pleasure. I did no. tell you to start. I warned you that I, I, I can go on a bit like so. Well, you're lucky we have good batteries, don't <laughs> <laughs> you? You, you, you are a star of the show. Uh, hey. I, doubt, I doubt that, no. Yeah.
it was a privilege to be on here to be fair no you did really well you know you covered a topic with a lot of dignity and a lot of respect and a bit of humour as well and you're going to help a lot of couples in similar situations so thanks for that and thanks Timmy thanks Ron Thanks, Ron. And Cheers, uh, guys. We'll see that. everybody again next week. See you there, though. Ah. Take care. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. And don't forget to head over to the Patreon if you'd like to help us. Thanks again. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.